Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Monday, and it is March, and the madness this March, um, well, it's probably oh, a little unpredictable. Um, all right, so the Democrat field is shifting and sorting itself out. You probably already know that. A former Vice President Joe Biden got a big win in South Carolina over the weekend. That led to the departure from the race uh, of billionaire activist Tom Steyer, as well as the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg. It appears increasingly likely. likely that none of the Democrat candidates are going to arrive at the Democratic National Convention this summer with the requisite number of votes to be what we would describe as the presumptive nominee. Uh, Tomorrow is Super Tuesday. That's the first day Mike Bloomberg is on ballots across the country. Uh, And I'll just go ahead and predict that Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden and Mike Bloomberg are going to have strong showings across the country tomorrow on Super Tuesday, which we will obviously talk about on Wednesday. Also over the weekend, um, thousands of people Tens of thousands of people actually should give it should give it the credit it's due uh, marked what is known as Bloody Sunday. And that was the march in Selma, Alabama, that took place 55 years ago. It was marked again yesterday. Congressman John Lewis, who marched in in Selma for civil rights um, those many years ago, was there again and has offered words of encouragement to emerging generations uh, of activists. He was calling them to, quote, vote like you've never voted before. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment, because what he was trying to do in encouraging younger people to vote like you've never voted before is a reminder that voting is a freedom that is lost by failing to exercise it. And so if we don't vote every time as if we've never had the privilege of voting before, we can tend to um, imagine that our vote doesn't matter or it doesn't matter very much or I live in a deep blue or a deep red state, so my vote doesn't matter because I already know the outcome. Um, Failure to vote in a democracy like ours leaves us sort of weak in our um, in our not only our personal voting record, but in our ability to speak into the issues of the day. So let me just remind you, voting is a freedom that is lost when you fail to exercise it. So I'm with John Lewis. Vote this year like you've never voted before. Uh, He also talked about the desire among Americans for hope. He said that um, Americans are looking for hope and they're actually looking to politics for hope, which let me just go ahead and say that is not the place to place your hope. That's misplaced hope. Uh, Politics is never going to save anyone. There is no political savior. I was disappointed that John Lewis, who is a fellow believer, failed to offer the very hope that he knows personally in Jesus Christ. And so I would like to add this to the congressman's uh, talking points yesterday. I want Christians to share the gospel like you've never shared the gospel before. Because like voting, if we don't share the gospel in this generation, the next generation won't have the gospel to share. That's just that simple. So Christians, um, let's be sharing the gospel like we've never shared it before. We're going to get back to the headlines in just a moment, um, but I have an interview that I recorded at the end of last week with Dr. Tony Evans. 
Um, several of you received a copy of Tony Evans study Bible last month in our giveaway. So we're going to discuss the Tony Evans study Bible, um, and a lot more in this very candid sit down that I had the opportunity to have eye to eye with Dr. Tony Evans. That's up next here on mornings with Carmen. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Dr. Tony Evans. He really needs no introduction beyond that. Welcome, sir. I'm delighted to be with you, Carmen. Thank you. It's a privilege. Um, you, um, you have spoken into so many of our lives over so many years. You now have a Tony Evans Bible, which we've actually given away many copies of at okay. Faith Radio. Okay. Um, and so um, it, was our, it was our giveaway Bible all last month. So that was really thrilling for people. Um, talk with us about um, why, why the Bible matters and why people should read it and study it. Well, the Bible is the voice of God in print. It is not information merely about God. It is where he is speaking into history for our benefit. When we did the study Bible and the Bible commentary, the goal was to show how the scripture threads through really one theme, and that is the glory of God through the advancement of his kingdom. And what we tried to show with not only the uh, the, the study material, but uh, the QR codes and all of this, how, of how that theme is threaded through the whole Bible. And when the Bible is understood, read, understood, and applied, it gets activated in the life. So reading it is not enough. Understanding it is necessary, but it's not enough. It doesn't take shape until activated. And so what we wanted to do is encourage activation and not merely understanding. And so that's that's what, what God is after because God is ultimately after transformation. So some of the really, uh, and this would be true of the, of the commentary, the complimentary commentary that goes along with the Tony Evans Study Bible. Um, when you refer to the QR codes, there are also uh, URLs listed in there where people yeah. can go and see these wonderful videos of you talking about a particular passage or really inviting people um, more deeply into that. That's a really um, unique feature of this particular book. <laughs> well, you know, um, communication has changed over the years and the digital uh, 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 framework for people's communication has now skyrocketed. So without compromising the written word, we wanted to facilitate it in such a way where it could speak into this 21st century method of communication so that uh, it would uh, help, you know, pictures uh, and uh, visuals can help uh, uh, elucidate what is written. And so we wanted to, to use that, uh, that medium to, to help get that word understood and applied even easier. So I'm curious because this was a whole, I mean, this is a comprehensive project, like it's the whole Bible. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious as you were, as you were going through this and, and entering into it, did you discover that there were some passages of scripture where you had maybe not spent quite as much time? And many, were, really, oh, many, really, yeah, it's a big book. And, it is a big book. Uh, and so we had to go through Every passage that I had not taught on, I had to go through and uh, 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 summary. So we've covered every paragraph in the Bible. 
uh, there are even some books that they're the kind of books you don't preach through verse by verse, you know. And uh, so, so you know, Ezekiel, yeah, you're gonna have some passages in there, and some in Isaiah, and you know. So we we had to go back and and redo those. Even some we had already done, we had to tweak a little bit. So uh, it was a ten year process of going through this and covering every paragraph in the Bible. So I'm talking with Dr. Tony Evans. Um, you can find him and all of his resources at TonyEvans.org. We're talking about the Tony Evans Study Bible and the commentary, which is an accompaniment um, book that I would highly recommend as well. You, um, you started this conversation by acknowledging that this is really about the glory of God and his kingdom. I, I would just like for you to muse for a moment about those two topics. Sure. God has one goal in, in, in history because the Bible is about history. He's from eternity. We go into eternity, but God has bridged those two realities with history. And God's goal is his own glory, the manifestation of his own character and nature and attributes through a mechanism. That mechanism is called his kingdom, and the, the Hebrew and Greek word for kingdom means his rule. So God is wanting to demonstrate his rule in history. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what we have sought to do is what we call it is the kingdom agenda, which is defined as the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God over every area of life. And we take the four areas of God's kingdom covenant, your in, the individual life, the family life, the church life, and your civic life, to show when God is ruling all four of those spheres of the kingdom, life becomes ordered. When he's not ruling those four spheres, they become chaotic. So we're seeing chaos today because his rule has been marginalized, dismissed, or totally negated. And therefore, when uh, when that happens, then chaos sets into that space. So we're trying to call people back, not only to the word, but the goal of the word, which is his rule in history. Dr. Tony and Evans and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, I'm going to ask him um, to address the, the chaos in each of those areas and how Scripture answers those questions. Again, I'm talking with Dr. Tony Evans. You can find him at TonyEvans.org. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm continuing my conversation with Dr. Tony Evans. Um, we are talking not only about the Tony Evans Study Bible and commentary, but really all the resources that you can find at TonyEvans.org. Um, Dr. Evans, you, you, you talk about these four spheres over which God, you know, right, deigns to rule, right? And so mm -hmm. it's the individual, it's family life, um, it's the church, and then it's our civic life or, you know, the life we all live together in the body politic. Mm -hmm. Um, Every single one of those of those spheres seems to be in chaos in the culture today. Absolutely. Um, talk about how we're we're not called to be people who are living in just disintegrated chaos. Absolutely. God, when God created life, He created life not to be lived out independently of Him. That's going all the way back to the garden. He said, now, "I'm going to give you a lot of freedom, but don't mess with that tree, because that tree represented." independence. So there was a declaration of independence from God. So chaos set in. That chaos was family chaos because Adam and Eve now were in conflict with each other. Emotional chaos because now they are afraid of God. Cultural chaos because now they're thorns and thistles and all of that. 
because they decided to be independent, okay? When a family decides, when a man or a woman or parents or children decide to be independent from God's definition of male and female and family, then what you do, you're on your own now. And when you're on your own and you declare independence, chaos is going to set in in that environment, okay? When the church decides that it wants to do its own thing and no longer regard God's word as the final authority by how it operates. Well, you've invited chaos into that. And Lord, Lord have mercy when the society and the government, which God also created, according to Romans 13, that the closer God is to a society, the more ordered the society will be. The further God is from that society. That's why I love um, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verses 3 to 6. It says, in those days, there was no true God, no teaching priest, no law. It says there was no peace to the person who went in or out of his house. City rose up against city, nation rose up against nation. And then it says, for God troubled them with every kind of distress. Now, if God is your problem, it doesn't matter who you elect. It doesn't matter what programs you come up with. If God is your problem, then you better get him on your side again. And so it says in verse 4, in their distress, when things got bad enough, people returned to God and he let them find him. So what we're seeing today is uh, God letting things get worse and worse until we wake up and decide we want him back. He's available, but he wants to be wanted. So it feels like um, Romans chapter 1 is a complimentary uh, assessment there, this wrath of God being experienced as God um, turning you over to right. your Releasing own, like you. giving you your own head, right? Yeah. Like a horse wants its own head. Right. That's what it feels like. Well, in the Old Testament, you had the act, I call it the act of wrath of God, fire coming down from heaven, flood from the earth, you know, it's the act of wrath. The death of Christ changed how God related to the world because now the world is reconciled to God. But now we experience the passive wrath of God mm. where God simply, uh, like uh, a dog on a leash, and you let the leash go. He lets you run free from him. But now you're on your own. We have become a people on our own. Even while we go to church, say prayers, and do all the Christian stuff, we're on our own because we still insist on doing all that independently of his rule. You know this is why people love you, right? Like when you're, I mean, because you bring you bring the fullness of the gospel to bear on the fullness of life. Mm-hmm. And people are living, you know, this like piecemeal, take a piece of scripture mm-hmm. here and there and mm-hmm. apply it to life. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you do. I try you, not to. No, you, and so um, I, I, want, I want you to hear how appreciative we are of that as Thank people you. who um, who sit under your, your counsel and under your teaching and leadership. Again, I'm talking with Dr. Tony Evans. Um, commend to you the Tony Evans Study Bible and, and, and the commentary that goes along with it. You can find uh, more resources at TonyEvans.org. Dr. Evans, um, let's, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about family. Okay. Um, just because you're a Christian and just because you serve him doesn't mean that hard things don't happen. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Right. You know, life hurts sometimes. And yeah. of course, we've gone through some major losses recently. Most recently, my wife of, of 49 and a half years. So that's a, sometimes we have to trust God in the dark when what we want to happen, prefer to happen, doesn't happen. And we still have to say, you know, though you slay me, yet will I trust you? And so that's what we've had to do recently, personally, and as a family, and that is what we have determined to do. And so I just, I think that because you 
can speak out of that experience, just encourage our listeners to trust him mm-hmm. even when, when there's darkness. In Isaiah 40, the people were saying, where are you, God? Where are you? I can't find you. And, uh, and God says, do you not know? Have you not heard? And he appeals to his character. When your life is in crisis, that's not the time to run from him. That's the time to run to him and say, okay, I know this is true about you, even though I'm facing this. And I also know I can't figure it out because he's called the inscrutable God. He, you, he doesn't always answer our questions. But he says, if you will run to me, what I will give you is new strength. I will give you the capacity to keep going when your get up and go has gotten up and gone. And so that's what we look to him for day by day. New strength, like the new sun coming up. It's an old sun, but it's giving you a new day. God's been around a long time, but he knows how to give new days as we come to him in our pain and in our discouragement. Dr. Tony Evans, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for the ministry you do every single day um, and the blessing and benefit that it is to all of us as fellow members of the kingdom. Thank you. God bless you. We'll be right back. So just yesterday in Sunday school, we actually uh, started a study of... um, of knowing God, it it, it actually uh, is an excellent book um, that was written. I don't know in the early 1970s, probably. Um, so anyway, uh, J.I. Packer wrote it. If you if you've never read J.I. Packer's Knowing God, it's an awesome book. It's a totally awesome book. And yesterday we were discussing the chapter. Uh, I think it was chapter two. That's just differentiating between knowing about God and knowing God. Um, and for those of us who who know God. It's it's a world of difference. Knowing about God is a world apart from uh, from actually knowing God. And I would liken it to all of the people who know a lot about Kobe Bryant and were even touched um, deeply by the news of his of his very tragic death. Um, but in reality, didn't know Kobe Bryant. Like you know, never never sat with him in in intimate fellowship. Never walked with him. Uh, along the highways and byways of real life. Like, they knew about Kobe Bryant, but they didn't really know him. Uh, God's the same way. A lot of people know a lot about God. A lot about God. Even even grieve the death of Jesus uh, when we acknowledge it every year on Good Friday. But don't know him. Don't know him. Uh, and so, wow, if you are on the knowing about side of that equation instead of actually knowing God, um, all kinds of resources available to you that you would actually know God, get into an, an actual living relationship with the Lord. So let me just invite you to um, to reach out to us if that's something that you want to know more about. Um, okay, so where in the Word are you today? This means like a good um, good question to be asking at this point in the hour, at this point in the day. I think that for those of you who um, follow me at all on any of the social medias, you know that I am working my way through a Lenten devotional um, it's called Armor Up, and so I'm just inviting people to armor up with me during the season of Lent. You can go to reconnectwithcarmen.com, and you can every day you can uh, get that little one-minute encouragement to armor up using Ephesians chapter 6, or you could just, you know, go to Ephesians chapter 6 and do what Paul says to do, which is to armor up. 
there's nothing uh, particularly like secret about what I'm doing in the armor up uh, Lenten devotional. Um, I'm just walking each day through that passage of scripture. So if you want to join me in that, go to reconnectwithcarmen.com and uh, you can find the Lenten devotional right there every single day, adding a minute of content. I encourage you to armor up. All right. um, Where are you in the word today? I'd like to know. You can text me at 877-933-2484. Let me know where in the word you are today. We are the people of the word. We are, um, if we're not in the word every day, we got no business trying to be out in the world as people of the word. So hopefully you have armored up this morning with Ephesians 6 and you have been in the word in order that you would be prepared to be in the world that God so loves. We got to take a break for the news and then we'll be right back. When your team dishes out disrespect or blatantly disobeys your rules, there's conflict headed your way. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. When we're in the middle of a standoff with the teen and the emotions are raging, it's hard to keep your cool. Yet, despite the turmoil, conflict can actually strengthen your relationship if you handle it right. Here are some rules to keep in mind for having a good, healthy fight. First, focus on the big picture. This argument can serve a greater purpose. Second, try to learn something about yourself instead of just lecturing your kid. And third, keep the conversation two-way. Don't insist on having the last word. Plan in advance to have healthy arguments, and you'll be surprised how everyone wins. Find more help from parenting expert Mark Gregston online at parentingtodaysteens.org. Joining me now, Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. Ruth, welcome back. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. All right, so you and I have a lot to discuss today. Let's start off with um, news related to coronavirus. Uh, Let's talk about places in the world where that information really does need to be translated and how people uh, are really being well-served by Christian organizations who are doing just that. Well, of course, you know what's happening with the coronavirus now spreading to Iran and how fast it's spreading. Um, one of the issues in uh, in Iran is that uh, the officials, the government officials, have actually kind of revealed their humanity because uh, this morning the Iranian supreme leader uh, advisor – uh, to uh, the uh, leader Khomeini actually died of the coronavirus. And actually, a couple of days ago, one of the health deputy uh, ministers uh, held a press conference and he was obviously sick. It turns out he was also infected with the virus. So in Iran, there's a lot of misinformation and people are very nervous about what's happening, especially in light of the fact that you've got a New Year celebration coming up in about 19 days. Um, And so people have been making plans to travel and they don't really know what's going to happen next. Uh, in response to the to trying to contain the spread of the virus, a number of countries around Iran have kind of closed their borders. Uh, that's Turkey, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and Armenia. Um, and so now you have this plan uh, to keep Iran kind of contained, much like what China was doing uh, and, and the, the borders that closed to try to keep people contained with the virus. So Transworld Radio... Um, is trying to answer some of the questions and the needs and the concerns that are going around about the virus because there's so much misinformation. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a program that they were 
uh, airing about the coronavirus. It's kind of, it, the title changes from language to language, but basically it's coronavirus, what you need to know. And uh, they are translating that content into a number of different languages. They launched a specific program in Mandarin to kind of encourage believers in China. And they're trying to uh, transfer that content to Farsi right now because it's going to be going to the uh, Farsi speakers, which are mainly uh, in and around Iran, Afghanistan, uh, and Armenia, uh, some in, in Turkey, and also in Pakistan. So that's what Transworld Radio is doing. One of our other partners, Bibles for the World, is kind of, um, they're basically taking a wait and see approach on what they were going to do, which was partner with a group that was going to uh, encourage people coming out of Iran for the New Year celebration and uh, send them back in with things like scripture portions on SD cards. Because the borders are closed now, we don't really know what that's going to look like. So they are asking partners that are involved with ministry in Iran are asking for prayer, are asking for wisdom and opportunities, because these opportunities that they thought they had are not going to be a thing now. Yeah, I'm fascinated by the news out of Iran related to um, sort of the, the very historic context between Muslim clerics and those who would argue on the scientific side of things uh, in terms of the avoidance of particular places of meeting. And um, so it's, it's, it's a fascinating uh, study in terms of it's a theocracy. <clears throat> it's a it's a Islamic um, theocracy. And yet. They are they do seem to understand that in order to protect their people from widespread. I mean, it's what Iran has the second highest number of deaths related to coronavirus only outside of China. Um, in order to protect their people, they're going to have to do something about these mausoleums and shrines where people walk up. They place their hands on them. They kiss them. And then other people come right behind them and do the same thing. And so um, there is this robust conversation. And it's an opportunity, I think, for Christians to bear witness as well. Um, we're not anti-science people, and and that doesn't mean we lack faith in God. And so it is an, a very interesting opportunity and space in which I think Christians who are on the ground in Iran are going to have the opportunity are going to have unique opportunities um, to uh, to speak uh, about how you know Jesus is the great physician, and um, there's going to be lots of opportunity that is uh, that results from this horrible. Um, and this horrible outbreak. So thanks so much for continuing to bring us news of what's happening on the ground in places where, uh, you know, the borders are now closed. And so those who are there are going to be the ones who let us know what's happening on the inside. Ruth, um, I'd love to have a conversation now about uh, what is happening in China. There's some good news on the coronavirus front, but um, there there's some very bad news that got lost in the midst of the of the headlines recently. So tell us about tell us about that. Well, we've been talking about some uh, additional religious restrictions probably since the end, end of 2019. Um, we knew that these were going to go into effect in February 1st of 2020, and we were just kind of waiting to see uh, how these new restrictions were going to roll out. Um, because sometimes, you know, in the past we've said these restrictions already exist. Uh, they're just being strengthened or maybe uh, we were looking at how a local magistrate was going to interpret uh, the new um, the new policies. But in this case, it seemed like it was kind of a sweeping uh, situation that really dealt with how the body of Christ met. It was an issue of registration. It was an issue of permits. It was an issue of religious gatherings and whether or not they had the right um, 
permits and 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 registrations for a number of people that were going to be allowed to this building. Well, those things came out. They did go into effect as we expected them uh, in the beginning of February. But the I guess the the blessing in disguise with the coronavirus outbreak and and the quarantining issue is that um, because people were separated from each other, um, you didn't have as many situations with people falling afoul of those new uh, restrictions and regulations uh, right away. So as a, as a result, it sort of slipped in under the radar, but it also gave the body of Christ in China more time to try to figure out or to try to uh, work around uh, the, the paperwork. Now, I don't I don't mean work around the paperwork as in sneaking around it, but trying to get more time uh, to be able to work with the government offices to get what they need to do in order to be able to meet. So I think we're going to see uh, a longer-term um, uh, impact uh, down the line when people are able to get out, break break quarantine, and get together and and see where ministry goes. In this situation, though, um, because the body of Christ has been very active in meeting some of those physical needs that came about as a result of the quarantines, uh, they may have a, an entirely different field once everything lifts. And I don't mean to say that the, the Christians are the ones that are uh, running around and, and being illegal and, and breaking the quarantine, breaking the laws and things like that. But they are networked better than anybody else, and they have access to resources that other people don't have. So there have been stories of uh, churches who are, get permission to take supplies to people who are stuck in their homes and um, can't get food because the markets are closed. So the body of Christ is meeting those very, very physical needs, literally with a cup of water in Jesus's name. And we're going to wait to see how that impact, those seeds are going to uh, germinate in the days ahead. Ruth, um, will you will you ask our uh, our friends in China um, for an update on the Uyghur Muslims the next time that you and I have an opportunity to talk? We're hearing um, we're hearing now that many of those Uyghur Muslims who China has been um, I mean I don't know holding hostage maybe I mean I've, keeping in prison um, in Western China, that they're now sending them in groups of 50 um, as forced labor into American-owned factories, including like Nike. Um, and so this is, um, you know, it, it has been one of those situations where I feel like people have um, ignored what is happening with this million or up to two million people in Western China, because after all, you know, they're Uyghur Muslims. And so, you know, they're not Christians. We, for whatever reason, don't seem to care as much about people who don't share our faith. Um, but now we're talking about benefiting as Americans from products that are being produced by people under forced labor who have been um, kidnapped from their own homes and communities. And so um, if if you have any news on the Uyghur Muslim population, maybe the next time we talk, you could bring us up to date on that. It's uh, It grieves me deeply. I think what I will say is this is not a new situation. This has been going on for a long time. And it is one of the things that uh, comes up anytime we are encouraging our State Department to bring up the issues of religious freedom in China. It covers all of the minority religions. And, and when we talk about religious freedom for Christians, we are also talking about religious freedom that affects other groups like the Uyghurs because they are also being persecuted. Um, and, you know, and and I want to be very clear about uh, what we say when we're, we're talking about persecution. Uh, we are talking about a systematic 
um, oppression of a people group because of their faith. So if you remove that religious freedom for one group, you remove it for everybody. So when we talk about religious freedom, it does cover everyone. Um, and, and it gives opportunity for the believers who are actually working on the ground in China to be able to be part of the solution, to introduce something to the Uyghur population that they have not been introduced to uh, on a regular basis. Ruth Kramer, um, I just I love our conversations. When we come back from the break, let's focus in on what's going on in India, where some 200 million Muslims reside. Um, it's the world's largest one of the world's largest Muslim populations, but that only constitutes 15 percent of India's total total population, 80 percent of which is Hindu. And apparently there um, are just it's a tidal wave of, of persecution related to Muslims in that country. So I'd love to get your input on that. So we're, we're, we're pivoting our focus to India next with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. We'll be right back. It's like the Returning to my conversation now with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find everything we're talking about today at mnnonline.org. Ruth, what in the world is going on in India? Well, that's a good question. Um, right now, I mean, today is going to be the first day of uh, Parliament reopening, and there's going to be somebody's feet held to the fire, essentially. Um, there are a number of opposition parties that want the BJP government to take responsibility for the riots that took place during President Donald Trump's visit to Delhi. I don't know if anybody was actually catching that because of all this other stuff with the coronavirus, you know, between China and Iran and some of the other big issues and, and Super Tuesday. I think the issues uh, that that were basically turning India on its head uh, the last couple of days just got missed entirely. Um, so this the situation, it, it just kind of shows the division, the religious divisions within India. Uh, communal violence is what it's being called. It is sectarian violence. It involves violence between the Muslims and the Hindus and a BJP government, which is a Hindu nationalist government. Uh, and today, as parliament gathers, um, there's going to be a probably rather fractious meeting um, because of all of the issues that involved uh, the, the the deaths of people uh, over the last four or five days. Um, you know, when we talk about communal violence in India, uh, especially between the Hindus and the Muslims, I don't think we have a, a clear understanding of how deep that enmity is and how, uh, how far back it goes. Um, when you're talking about uh, violence, with a Muslim community, I don't think you could say that it gets any worse than it is in India, actually. Um, and and people don't see, remember, usually when you talk about India, that there is a very large Muslim population. So in this situation, um, you know, with the, the government uh, being a Hindu nationalist and because of the, the past, the, the backstory of some of the um, uh, legislation that has recently come across that it really upset people, the Citizen uh, Citizenship Amendment Act, um, it just kind of came to a head because you have someone coming to the country who everyone wants uh, that person to address the religious freedom issues in India. Sadly, uh, religious freedom did not really come to the table in terms of a topic of discussion uh, when uh, President Trump met with Prime Minister Modi. Um, so that's that's an issue that, you know, Voice of the Martyrs uh, and a lot of the other organizations that watch persecuted church issues really were were disappointed that um, publicly 
anyway, the issue of religious freedom or uh, religious violence or those kinds of things never really came to the forefront. Um, Voice of the Martyrs is asking that we continue to to communicate with our elected representatives to put pressure on the State Department to bring these issues up because things like the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom and the Ambassador at Large for International Religious Freedom, they speak into our state policies. And I, I don't mean state by uh, like Michigan or Minnesota. I mean state as in U.S. State Department policies. Um, when the U.S. CIRF speaks up on an issue because they are um, being told by uh, an, an audience that we care about these issues, things can happen. Things change. Um, sometimes it's things like sanctions. Sometimes it's things like closed door meetings. Um, so when when we're, we're encouraging people to get involved on that front, we, we say that because it has impact. We also say, don't forget to pray. This is spiritual warfare we're talking about. And when we ask you to pray, uh, not only asking to pray for change, but also asking that um, the believers that are on the ground in places like Delhi um, are emboldened to really speak their faith. Uh, it, it could mean difficulty because India is so well known for the persecution of the Christians. Um, but now is the time to rise up and to be the body of Christ, and we can stand with them and pray with them because we are one body. So in India, the citizenship question is um, is very different than it is in some places around the world. Um, uh, the citizenship language, um, how is it different there? Because it, it seems to me that's a part of this larger conversation, and I'm not sure I fully understand that. It's, it is tricky. Um, when you, you're dealing with a, an issue of citizenship, you also have to confront the caste system that still exists. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it, it's very tribal in, in its, its um, ideology. So it's, really, it's almost impossible to separate the two. And when you have something like a Citizenship Amendment Act and you're talking about kicking people out or you're talking about stripping them of their rights, um, it concerns people because basically you're making them stateless people. And, and then on top of that, you have caste issues. Um, so it's 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 hard to unpack in a short discussion here, but just understanding that some people aren't even recognized as people and they don't count uh, in terms of the rights and of of uh, the rights and privileges of what India offers its citizens, so what do you do then with this stateless, faceless, nameless uh, collection of people that they created, um, uh, and and no longer want to help service, no longer want to acknowledge? Um, they still have to feed people. They still have to, um, you know, have services somewhere in there. Uh, even if it's as simple and basic as sanitation issues, and yet they're they're not wanting to do that. So they're creating even more of a caste system within that. And the Citizenship Amendment Act is uh, another one of the issues that led to the sectarian and communal tensions uh, that really boiled over in the riots when you were dealing with religious freedom issues. And they chose that time because they wanted to say, call attention to an issue that they didn't feel was being addressed enough or that it was being acknowledged enough. And they figured if we're going to do something now, let's do it in front of one of the most powerful country leaders in the world. Mm. It's 
It's very disturbing. Um, I'm not even sure I want to send people to the Internet to see what is happening in India on the streets. But I also um, I don't want people to close their eyes. And certainly I don't want us to close our hearts to the plight of people literally being beaten to death in the streets. Um, Their homes and businesses and mosques torched because of their faith. And um, so uh, we need to be praying, certainly, uh, for what is happening in the streets of India uh, and we need to be praying for Christians ardently uh, who are in the midst of all of this. Um, Ruth Kramer, thank you as always for bringing us the news from, you know, from the ground level, from our mission partners around the world. You're so faithful in what you do, and we genuinely appreciate it. Thank you for praying with us. Absolutely. You guys can find more information at Mission Network News, which is mnnonline.org. We'll be right back. All righty. So um, Paul and I don't have a, another book to give away during today's show. So uh, I have decided that it, it's been long enough. The, the the hiatus has been long enough between the last time we gave away copies of my book and now. And some of you are saying, hey, hey, I, I think that I provided my information the last time and I never got a book. Well, let's just start over. So if you don't have a copy of Speak the Truth, which is my book, um, How to Bring God Back into Every Conversation, and you want one, today's the day. Text in, uh, all you have to do is text the word book to 877-933-2484 and then follow the link. The book that you're looking for is Speak the Truth and the author is, well, me, Carmen LaBerge. So if you've never gotten a copy of uh, of Speak, Speak the Truth and you want one, today's the day. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. All right, we got a whole nother hour up next. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.